ahead and lift your voice to the Lord and give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You deserve our praise tonight. You deserve all of the praise, all of the honor, all of the glory. It belongs to you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. I don't ever want to be guilty of giving my praise to anybody or anything but him amen i say that again i don't ever want to be guilty of giving my praise to anybody or anything other than him because he alone he alone deserves my praise tonight hallelujah oh we praise you O lord Hallelujah. Praise God. There's powerful move of the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. I am grateful for that. I am so thankful for what God did this morning, and I, I never apologize for that. I'm hungry for more of that. If you want a church that starts at 1030 sharp and ends at 12 o'clock dull, go somewhere else. Amen. I don't want to be constrained by a time clock, nor do I want to be constrained by what I want to do. I want to be led by what God wants to do. Amen. And God did some wonderful things this morning. I am thankful for that. Tonight I come to you with a burden, and I hope that God will help me deliver that burden to you. I feel especially uh, drawn to this particular passage of Scripture. And I am going to be preaching to everybody, but in particular, I want to speak to our young people tonight. I love our young people. I am thankful for everything that they uh, represent. They're not perfect by any means. But we don't throw out the baby with the bathwater just because the kids aren't perfect. We work with them, and we got a great group, and I'm so thankful for that. I think we ought to give them a great hand tonight. They sit up front. Man, I like that. Man. You have your Bibles. Turn with me to the book of Judges, chapter 16. I am going to begin reading with verse number 4. We'll read down through verse number 6. Judges chapter 16, verse number 4. And it came to pass afterward that he, speaking of Samson, loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the Lord of the Philistines came unto her, And said unto her, Entice him, and see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means he may prevail, what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him. 
And we will give thee, every one of us, 1,100 pieces of silver. And so it came to pass that Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherein thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. I pray thee, tell me, wherein thy great strength lieth. My subject tonight is the secret of our strength. The secret of our strength. Would you put your Bibles down and join with somebody next to you and let's pray together that God will help us. Father, I need you right now. I am inadequate today. I am, un, I am unworthy to deliver this message, but I ask you to use me tonight. Anoint my mind and my heart and my lips and speak, Lord, to this group of people. Help us, Lord, to receive revelation and understanding tonight. Let your mighty hand rest upon us in this place. God, I pray that you would help us do a great work tonight. We pray in the name of Jesus. 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 Everybody clap your hands to the Lord one more time. You may be seated. He was the promised child to Manoah and his barren wife. The angel visited and announced his birth and that he would be consecrated as a Nazarite unto God. If you want to know what a Nazarite is, go to the book of Numbers chapter 6. And read beginning with verse number one. And you will find the vow and the consecration of the Nazarite. He was a man or a woman who was separated unto God for a special purpose. He would not drink strong drink. He would not cut his hair or she would not do the same and they were consecrated unto the Lord for God's service and for God's purpose. The mission of Samson's life was indicated by the annunciation of his birth that he shall begin to deliver Israel. This was the reason and the purpose for his life. And the vow that was over him was a vow of consecration. And it was a vow of separation. And that was wherein the strength of his life could be found. The scripture goes on to declare of him that the spirit of the Lord began to move at times on his life. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And when that happened, he did great exploits. 
and he astonished the minds of men. When that spirit came upon him, he had great strength with which he could vanquish his enemy. And when the spirit moved on him, he was enabled to do extraordinary things. But Samson is a mystery and Samson is a paradox and Samson is an enigma for his life if you study him is a contradiction. So many of his actions are in disagreement with his calling and so many of the things that he did were in conflict with what God had purposed for his life. And though he was a man God used, he was a man with deep flaws. He struggled with an unaccountable spirit. He lived with passions that were at times out of control. He is indeed a puzzle and a mystery and his life could best be summed up by the words of Charles Spurgeon, the great British preacher of years ago, he said his whole life was a series of miracles and follies. Miracles and follies. Though at times he did some mighty things, yet in the end of his life, he was subdued by the very enemy that he had at one time vanquished. How did his downfall come How did it happen that a man that God had chosen to mightily use in his purpose could fall to the very enemies that he had been sent to lead Israel out of captivity from? When I began to study the life of Samson, there are many things that begin to surface One thing that I noticed about Samson was that he ignored warning signs. He seemed to turn a deaf ear when there was a sign or a word given that was contrary to what he wanted to do, what his passions were leading him to do. And so he turned a deaf ear to the many warning signs that were cropping up in his life. Samson, number two, could not control his passion. He was a man who had a problem with his flesh. He had a serious problem with conquering his own flesh. He only desired to get even. He only desired to do things to vindicate himself. He is a conundrum in the sense that a servant of God would go to a prostitute, a man who had been used by the Spirit of God would make his way to the house of ill repute. He would conquer his enemies, but Samson never learned how to conquer himself. It appears to me when I study his life that apparently he had no prayer life for his inner man. The only time that you hear of Samson praying is when he was thirsty 
and he thought he was going to perish after a battle. And he called upon the Lord to satisfy that thirst of his natural being. But you never hear Samson talking to the Lord about how he can best be used by God. How can I channel these things that you have given me into a right direction? You never read of Samson asking for wisdom. You never hear him asking for the guidance of the Lord. He just went on doing it the way he wanted to do it. The third, fourth thing that I noticed about Samson when I was studying his life is that he lived very close to the edge. Our passage tonight said that he went to Zorak and he found Delilah. Zorak was on the borderline between Judah or Judea and Philistia. It was a border town that was close to the edge. And it's always a dangerous place to live when you are living on the edge. When there are no boundaries in your life that you honor and you play with those sacred stones, those landmarks in your life, and you think they mean nothing, you feel like they are of no consequence. But the truth is that his life began to unravel because he lived too close to the edge. He lived too close to the edge. When you linger at the enemy's border, you are sure to find trouble. Young people, listen to your pastor tonight. I'm going to give you some advice. Don't see how close you can get to it. See how far you can get away from it. Because that's one of the tricks of the enemy is to make you think that you can live there and get by with it. I'm here to tell you it's a dangerous place when you choose to live on the edge and you live a step away from danger. It's always dangerous to live close to your enemy. Amen. The next thing that I noticed when I studied his life is the direction that his life seemed to always take. If you read scripture, it says that he went down. He went down. He went down. You never read of Samson going up. It's a sign in my life and it's a sign in your life. When I am more comfortable going down, when I am more comfortable lessening or letting go or loosening my standard or letting go of my consecration, it's a dangerous sign in my life when the only direction that I ever have is that I'm always headed down. I'm always pointing my life in the wrong direction. It was Samson who went down. He went in the direction that he was looking. More than that, he went in the direction that his passions and tendencies were taking him. Number six, when I studied his life, you find that he toyed with things that weakened him. He played games with the things that weakened his resolve. Delilah, Delilah. There are no two 
names other than David and Bathsheba that stirred more imagination in Hollywood than Samson and Delilah. Delilah's name in the Hebrew means weaken or impoverish. When she began to probe him, when she began to inquire as to where is the secret of your strength, what is it about you that makes you different than all the other men? He should have stopped right there. He should have run out that front door right there. But you find Samson going back time and time and time again. That's what happens when you play with the sacred things in your life. That's what happens when you do t- take your consecration as a, a, a serious matter in your life and you think it's of no consequence that I play around with these things and I toy with them and that's what got him in trouble when he began to play and toy with the things that weakened him amen he kept going back everybody say he kept going back he kept going back when you were in the grip of your passions it will eventually anesthetize you from sin so that you feel there's nothing wrong. This is love. I love that person. That's what allows you to step over the boundaries. That's what allows you to cross lines that you shouldn't cross. That's what emboldens you to, to live in a territory that you need to get away from because you toy with, you play with that thing that has separated you. The what makes you powerful and what makes you unique. He played with it. Amen. Anyone could have seen what she was doing. Anyone but Samson. Anyone should have recognized. Anybody could have recognized. She's making a fool of you, Samson. The only problem is Samson couldn't see it. She tried to trick him into giving away a secret. And eventually she succeeded. And I'm going to tell you why. Because he kept going back. You keep playing with fire, and sooner or later, it's going to get you. When I was a kid, I used to have a curiosity like most kids do and went to spend the day with one of my buddies. And we had always kind of played with matches, you know. Strike one, throw it, and see what happens, then stomp it out. And so we knew we weren't supposed to have them. And we were about seven, eight years old. There was a large field across the street from his house, and it was hot summertime in Wichita Falls. It hadn't rained in months. There was no green anywhere, none anywhere. And so we steal snitch some matches from somewhere. I don't know where we even got them. We didn't get them from his parents because they didn't smoke, but we found a way to get some matches. That's amazing. If you want to, you can find the means to do what you want to do. 
So we got over there. We got to strike. Man, we were having such a time. You know, you just keep doing that. And, and we were laughing and carrying on. But what we didn't count on, what we didn't factor in was that North Texas wind. That all of a sudden, <clears throat> and we just happened to strike one of those matches. About the time the wind goes, <clears throat> and it just pulled it out of our hand. And it blew across, and it was almost like you, you, you realize what's coming, and then you start trying to stop what's happening. But it was too late. Man, that match hit that, gra- that tender, and it just exploded. <laughs> and here we are stomping stuff out, trying to put it out. And the more we stomp, the more we spread it. Two little boys panicked. And we took off running. Last thing we saw was that whole field on fire and heard the fire trucks coming. That's what happens when you keep playing with things that you know you shouldn't play with. Sooner or later, it's going to get you. You're not smart enough to avoid it. You don't have enough skills to know how to keep from it happening. It doesn't only happen to young people, it happens to adults. You keep going back to that website. You keep going back to that secret chat chamber on Facebook. You keep going back and sooner or later, Delilah's going to find out wherein your strength lies. She's not going to give up. She's going to keep pounding you. That voice is going to keep calling to you and it's going to keep appealing to that weak part of your life. And Samson had a part of his life that he could not control. Amen. And when you toy with those things, you play with that. And you entertain yourself with that. Sooner or later, it's going to get you. When I study his life, I found out that evidently Samson thought that his strength was enough to keep him from going over the edge. That his human strength, I mean, I picked up the gates of a city and take them up to the hill of Hebron. I tied 300 foxtails together and I set the field on fire. I slew a thousand men with the jawbone of an ass. Tell me I can't do it. Tell me I'm weak. Tell me that I cannot withstand. Here's what he failed to factor into that equation. That his heart had already deceived him. And there is no physical strength that can keep you when your heart has betrayed you. There is no physical strength that can resist when you've already given your heart to something and you've already let it capture your emotions and your passion. You can talk about how strong you are. I'll never do that. I'll never do that. I'll never go that line. I'll never cross that line. But when the heart is weak and when the heart has made decisions already that has compromised it, you are heading in the wrong direction and you hear your pastor tonight, some of you need to wake up and turn around and get back as quick as you can because your heart Your heart is deceiving you. 
Hallelujah. Listen to me, young people. Samson's downfall began, listen to me, when he disagreed with his parents about marrying a Philistine girl. Read it in chapter 13 or 14. The first thing that happened is he saw a woman. The only problem was she was a Philistine and God had already set his law in motion. You're not to marry of that kind. But Samson was so determined that he knew more than his parents did. Go read what he said to them. I know what I'm doing. That's the literal translation of what Samson told his parents. I want to tell you something. The Bible still says to not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And when you compromise that aspect of your spiritual life, you are putting your hands, uh, you're putting your soul in the hands of your enemy and you're giving him the opportunity to exploit you and eventually destroy you. Samson's downfall began when he ignored the advice of his parents. We're old, I get that. We're out of touch, I get that. But I have news for you. Don't let this old man fool you because I'm wiser than I look. And I've been down the road long enough to know that when he starts telling you they're so out of touch, they don't know what's best for you. I'm here to tell you, you better listen when your parents speak because that's where the blessing of God is in your life. You will not be blessed in your life when you dishonor your parents. You will not be blessed when you dishonor your parents. You say, well, my parents aren't living for God. God didn't say if your parents are living for me. He didn't say if your parents are Christian. He said, honor thy father and mother. This is the first commandment with blessing on you. Amen. Amen. Oh, yeah. Samson's downfall began when he disagreed with his parents. This is what really shocked me. When I started studying his life, Samson's downfall came because he thought he could get by with it because he had won so many great victories. I mean, look what I've already done. What are you so worried about, Pastor? You don't have confidence in me? I have news for you. I love all of you. I love you to death. I love your guts. But I want to tell you something. I don't trust your flesh no more than I trust my flesh. Amen. 
because it's desperately wicked. And when I allow my flesh to direct my life, it always heads me in the wrong direction. Amen. Please don't misunderstand me. I love every one of you. I love you kids. I cannot imagine some of the pressures that you guys are living under. I didn't have that. I mean, you want to do evil back in my day, you had to work for it. Now you don't have to do anything. It comes straight to your phone. It's right there in your hand. You young ladies, you don't have to. I mean, it, it, it is so accepted in our culture to be open and loose and free and, and, and not be inhibited. And that's the lie the devil has convicted us or convinced us that we need to believe that, that we're re- restricting their lives when we put boundaries on them. But the truth is, when you start putting boundaries on something is when you show its value, when you show how worthy it is, how important it is. If there's no boundaries in your life, then it means it must not be very important. But when God draws a boundary he said I'm drawing that because you're valuable to me you mean everything to me hallelujah 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 this is something that's always troubled me there's a verse in Ecclesiastes that has haunted me for years Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 11 said because Sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. I'm going to interpret that for you. In just plain everyday English. That means that I do something that I know is crossing the boundary and no lightning strikes, no voice thunders. There's no heaven splitting open. There's no finger pointing at me, only silence. And I interpret that silence must not matter. My parents told me a lie. They made me think if I did that, I'd die. I shall not surely die. And that's why we go ahead and do it. The reason, I'm going to give you a revelation on it. The reason that God does not execute judgment speedily is because he wants to give us an opportunity to recover from our mistakes. Wouldn't it be terrible if the first time I stepped out of line, God said, all right, I said, Zip. I'll show you. We're not going to have that. Wouldn't it be terrible if every time you stumble, God just slapped you upside the head and rattled your teeth? Now, some of us, it might help us. But after a while, you'd get immune to that. But the reason that God gives me space is so I can repent, so I can get it right, so I can get it under the blood. It's not a problem. It's, it's not wrong to make a mistake. 
What's wrong is when you allow that mistake to multiply and make, cause you to make more mistakes. And so we, if we're not careful, we can think that we got by with it. I have news for you. I am 64 years old, and as of today, I have gotten by with nothing. Oh, it may have been years down the road, but there is a law of sowing and reaping. And if you sow it, Don't get on your knees and pray for a crop failure. You might as well get ready at some point in your life. Now, God in his mercy may cause a drought, but that's usually the exception, not the rule. Number 10. The reason Samson failed is because he failed to value his Nazarite vow that was the mark of separation in his life. And that's why he could go defile himself with a prostitute. That was against the law. But he didn't value, he he didn't seem to ever, the, the thing that has always been a mystery to me is how God could mightily use a man like that And yet he never seemed to make the trip in understanding where that power came from. The power did not come from his long hair. That was a sign of his covenant. The power in his life came from what that covenant meant and that was his consecration unto God, his separation unto God. I want to tell you something tonight, young people. Separation is not a church standard issue. It is a life and death issue and that is what the devil is after in your life. He is after the secret of your strength. He wants to take away from you the power of your life and what makes you powerful tonight is that you have dedicated yourself and consecrated yourself. I'm not saying you're perfect, but I am saying that as long as Samson honored his consecration vow, God was with him. You can be seated for just a moment. God used Samson even with all his imperfections as long as he was true to the consecration of his life. And that's what the enemy is after. He won't, That's why we have had such a fight over holiness and separation because that's what makes this church different. You want to know what makes this church? People come in here all the time and say, when I come here, I feel something different. I'm going to tell you, it's not our building. It's not our singing. I love our singing. Please don't take me wrong, Brother Clatty. You do a great job, great talent, but that's not why they come. That's what, that, that is not what, what creates the atmosphere in here. Is that for the most part, even though we're not perfect, we have tried to honor our separation from the world 
and we have tried to maintain some boundaries in our life that say there's some things I will not do. There's some things I will not say. There's some ways I will not dress. There's some places I will not go. I will not allow myself to lose the source of my power. The reason for the power of the Holy Ghost in this place is because there is a vow of separation on our lives and we must never, 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 never take that vow for granted. And he lost his consecration when he started playing with his separation. And I'm going to close. You listen to me tonight. Our consecration is what keeps our human weakness from destroying us. Did you hear me? Our consecration, our separation, our honoring of that vow to God that he has called us to be holy. I'm just telling you, church, you cannot take holiness out of God and you're not going to take holiness out of the Bible. And the scripture still declares that we are to follow peace with all men and holiness without which we shall not see God. Amen. And my consecration, my vow, is what keeps my weakness from destroying me. And we all have it. We all still live in a fleshly tabernacle. And if you ever give it an inch, oh, it's not satisfied. It'll take a mile. You just give him a glimpse, he's going to snatch the heart. Yeah. You just give it a look, he's going to turn your attention. And what helps me manage that weakness in my life and keep it in check and keep it under the blood is my consecration. If there is anything I believe the devil knows about me is that he knows that I have weaknesses. And he is relentless. You cannot be used of God without knowing that kind of struggle. And you can be used of God and still battle weaknesses in your flesh. That's why you better keep yourself at an altar. That's why you better keep yourself on the altar. Man, I have news for you in our new church. Some of you may not like it, but we're going to have a real literal altar put back in our sanctuary. Hallelujah. Because I want to tell you what saved this boy. What saved me in my youth were the nights I laid over that altar and I filled it with my tears, uh, crying out to God to help me deal with this man that I was fighting with. 
And I like new church. I like all the modern stuff. But I am saying that we have missed something. And you call me old-fashioned. I don't care what you call me. Just call me. Gone one of these days. When the Lord comes. You can stand. By the way. The altar we're going to have there is one that Brother C.P. Kilgore built for the church in Dumas, Texas when he went there to start a revival years and years ago. I'm going to pick it up in a couple of weeks. We ordered four, pew, four altars from the pew company. I think they may have been a little shocked. I got news for you. We don't call our this a stage either we've been battling that with our fire marshal this is not a stage a stage is where you perform this is a platform where we do the work of God and where we worship the Lord amen I want to I want to keep that distinction in my mind but I want I want to hold on to my concept I want to hold on to what brings the power of the Holy Ghost into this place on a regular basis. It's not our perfection. It is not that we're so good, but it is because for the great part we have committed ourselves to holding on to some things that are of, of great value and we have borders, we have lives, we have boundaries. It's not legalism. It is not legalism. It is life. Come on, clap your hand to the Lord and give him praise. Samson never, never learned to maintain boundaries in his life. The lines were always blurred. Even when he was working under the influence of the Spirit, It's amazing to me that as mightily as God used him, there's very few times that you see him using that power in a constructive manner by defeating an enemy. You find him one time picking up the gates of the city and carrying it out on the side of the hill because they had locked the gate, thought they were going to trap him. Why was he there? Because he was visiting a prostitute. shouldn't have been there to start with but he carried these gates out he ties foxes tails together now you tell me what kind of mind would take the power of God and play with it out of your own curiosity and just to have a good time let's see what happens here tie those foxes' tails together, put a firebrand between them, and you can only imagine the havoc. They burned down all the fields of the field. And you know what happened next? The Bible said the Philistines came and they destroyed the father and the, the daughter of the people that Samson had been with because he's playing with these things of great significance. Listen to me, church. Listen to me, young people. Please hear me. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be hard. But I want to tell you that there is a secret to your life. 
And the secret to your power is the separation, the lines that you have drawn that say, you know what, I'm going to consecrate myself to God. There's some things I'm not going to do. There's places I'm not going to go. There's things I'm not going to say. There are things I'm not going to participate in. There are things that I am not going to involve myself with. Not because I just want to be a weirdo, but I want to hold on to my power. I want to hold on to my strength. I know that somebody's going to argue about this. They're going to say, hey, 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 hey. These big, big churches that have no holiness, they have powerful services. Well, I have news for you. They have powerful services in Las Vegas at all of the night shows when Celine Dion and all those other stars come out on the stage. There's an electricity in the room. Rock concerts. People will stand on their feet for hours. They said before Prince would come out to do a concert when he was alive, they would start chanting one hour before the concert started, calling his name, egging him on, pushing, pushing, pushing. You talk about electricity. You talk about power. But it wasn't the right kind of power. I'm not interested in entertaining. I'm not interested in being popular. I am interested in holding on to the source of our strength. And so that means we're going to go against the tide. And that means we're going to go against your flesh. But you're too valuable to God for me to not stand here and declare to you tonight. We better make sure we keep those lines. We better make sure we keep ourselves at the altar. I'm telling you, young people, what you see here tonight, the only way I got here is that every service. You say, Brother Hughes, you must have been a real weak person. I was. But the only way I made it, I would lay over that altar and I would cry out to God. And I shed tears, tears of guilt, tears of remorse, tears wishing I hadn't done what I did. But the only reason I was able to climb out of that and get to where I am is because of that kind of place in my life. Listen to me, church. Don't ever get irritated because these kids come to the front. I get tired of them taking service over. Nobody's taking service over. We're just trying to access the power of God. And we're trying to stay connected to the source of that power. And the source of that power is always found at the altar. And it's always found in the consecrations I make to God when I am here at this altar. The only reason I'm here tonight is because the How many ages full of ability and wit that had no consecration have passed without affecting their generation? But I'm going to tell you what affected them. The world when Pentecost came. 
was a holy, separated people. If you don't believe that, read the New Testament. Read the epistles. Read how many times Paul, Peter, John acknowledged those lines. Amen. Boundaries. Draw them in your life. If we sacrifice our consecration, if we treat it of no value or we feel like it's really not that big of a deal, then our purpose, our purpose is affected. Our purpose is affected. And our purpose is lost on the altar of our own passions when we cannot control ourselves, when we cannot say no to ourselves. We give up our power when we lose. And the day came, she pressed him sore. She pressed him. Every time that he came, she just would not let up. She just kept pushing and pushing and pushing until finally, finally in a moment of weakness, Samson did what I'm sure he thought he would never do. He told the secret of his strength. My hair is a sign of the vow on my life. If you cut it, I've lost my vow. And while he slept, while he slept, they, she called him in. And they, how, how, how do you go that sound asleep that you cannot even recognize that somebody's cutting your hair. When you get comfortable playing with sacred things, you can go to sleep and not realize what's happened. And then she said, Wake, Samson, the Philistines be upon thee. And he shook himself as at other times. Not that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. But that wasn't the end of Samson. They made a showpiece out of him. They gouged his eyes out. They took him to the center of the city. They chained him to the grist mill. And you could see him daily. As he began to make his way around grinding the meal. You know what though? As smart as the devil is, he's not smart enough to consider everything. And this is what I find that the scripture says, but his hair began to grow again. The sign of that consecration was returning. And this is what I have to tell you. It would take the re-emergence of what had separated him 
for the strength to return to his life. And he could stand between those pillars and pull them down because he had reconnected to what had really made him who he was. Listen to me, church. As long as I am in this pulpit and as long as I have breath, I'm going to remind you on a regular basis that we are to come out from among them and be a separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean. What part hath light with darkness? you fail God you can recover your strength but it's going to take the consecration and the separation that brought it to your life to reemerge it in your life I'm so thankful that God is a God of grace and he gave Samson another chance I believe that he's giving some of us more than one chance. But in an hour when holiness has gone out the window and and it is very rarely ever mentioned in fear of offending somebody, I stand to declare to you tonight that without it, we will not see the Lord. We will not see the Lord. And if you want to maintain the power in your life, young people, maintain that consecration and that separation. I'm going to invite all of our young people to come with me. Will you do that? I love you. I want you to come up here and just stand at the altar. All of our family, I want you to come behind them. We have a great, great church here. I want us to pray for one another tonight. I want us to reconnect to the thing that makes us what we are. As a child of God, there are things that should not be in my life. There are things that I don't need to allow to happen in my life. I need to maintain my lines of separation. They are the key to the victory in my life. I know it's a battle. I know that. I battled it. I battled it. I can't tell you that I batted a hundred. I can't tell you that I did perfect because I did not. I failed God many times, but what saved me was I kept coming back to an altar and I kept going back before the Lord saying, God, don't let me lose this. I want you to pray that with me right now, God. Don't ever let us walk away from what separates us. Don't ever let us walk away from where the power of our life resides. Don't ever let us disconnect from that spirit of holiness. Not a standard of just, not legalism, Lord, but a spirit, a spirit of separation, a vow and a consecration that we will be separate unto the Lord, that we will live a life consecrated to Him, that we will live a life 
consecrated to his purpose. We will keep ourselves upon this altar. We will not leave this place. We will not play with spiritual things. We will not toy with sacred things. We will not discount holiness as old-fashioned and outdated. But we understand tonight that the reason for the power in our life is because there is a line. There is a line of separation. There is a channel that marks the worth of our life that you have set. The boundaries, Lord, are what make us who we are. They are what make us who we are. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's the secret of your strength. And that's what the devil is after in your life tonight. He's after that secret. He wants to know wherein your secret is. He wants to know the source of your strength. It's in that vow. It's in that commitment. It's in that consecration that you make to God on a daily basis. I'm going to live for you, God. I'm going to do right in spite of my weakness. I'm not going to let my weaknesses destroy me. I'm not going to let my weaknesses define me. Oh, God, I want to keep myself upon this altar. I want to keep myself upon this altar. I want to keep myself upon this altar tonight. Oh God, oh God, help me to never lose what we have in this place right now. Help me to never walk away from it, to feel like I can live without it. God, help me that ever come of the mind that it's unnecessary. God, help me to never come of the opinion that it doesn't count. It doesn't matter. It matters. 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 It 